Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. It's funny the things that, that, that happen or go through your mind in, in a church service or even as I'm standing here and I'm watching you all as you're greeting and, and uh, just kind of enjoying that and seeing different faces and, and all. But I was also paying attention. My feet were vibrating while I was standing here watching you all, which I had not, I don't know that I've ever noticed that before, but the subwoofers that are underneath this platform here, and they were, and my, so my feet were kind of vibrating, kind of felt good. Uh, my feet kind of vibrating under there, so anyway, a little massage for your feet, so. If you need a Bible this morning, if you'd wave, um, wave at the, um, the ushers, those handsome gentlemen in those maroon shirts, if you just wave at them, and um, John chapter 6, we're going to do the Lord's Supper together today, as you can tell, and, um, and so I'm going to share just a few little thoughts, and we're going to spend most of our time today just taking the Lord's Supper and pressing in. Uh, you understand what I mean when I say press in? I use that term probably more than I should, but it really is this idea of a focused attention. It's this idea of setting other things aside and just kind of pressing in, getting, getting close. And you say, well, the Holy Spirit's in me all the time, so I really can't get closer because he's there. That's true. In that very real sense, the Holy Spirit is always in you. But you and I can be more intentional about the work that God's doing in our life at any given moment. And that's really what I encourage you today, is to press in. John chapter 6 is an interesting passage. Uh, a few chapters later, in fact, seven chapters later in the book of John, Jesus is going to be the night before he's crucified. He's going to be sitting down with his disciples, and he's going to take this last meal together, what we call the Lord's Supper, or communion, depending on your church background. And we, we do this because we were told to, to do this in remembrance of the Lord. And, and it's represented there in John chapter 13 and Matthew 26 and other places. But seven chapters before we get there in John chapter 6, Jesus is having a conversation. And he's saying some very, very difficult things for religious folks to, to get their head around and to accept. And he talks about this idea of bread and wine, or bread and juice, the fruit of the vine. And he's going to tell them at one point, as a matter of fact, later on in chapter 6, he's going to tell them that if you don't eat my body and drink my blood, you, can, you can't have life and you can have no part of me. And it says that many at that point turned and walked away. You say, well, sure they did because they thought he was promoting cannibalism and vampirism or whatever. No, he wasn't. That wasn't what he, they walked away for a different reason, and we're going to look at that just briefly this morning. John chapter 6, look with me first in verse 30, verse 32. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. He's talking about Exodus and the manna that God gave to the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Who is Jesus talking about? Himself. He's talking about himself. 
They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Hey, we want this bread. We want this bread of life. We want this bread where you never are hungry. We, Lord, we want this bread of God, this bread that comes from heaven. Give it to us. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This picture of bread, and bread in used in Scripture is more than just more than just bread it's more than crackers it's more than you know bread wheat as we think of it or or gluten bread i guess which doesn't have wheat in it or gluten-free bread um anyway i'm not that familiar with it as you can tell uh i like my bread with gluten in it um but um anyway it's there is this idea of bread but bread in scripture is bigger than just that it's food in general bread is food he says i'm the food how many of you had breakfast this morning? All right, why? Because you were hungry? How did, how did you know you were hungry? There was a rumbling, all right? There were, there were symptoms. There were symptoms of hunger. Can I tell you, spiritually speaking, there are symptoms of hunger that we often don't pay any attention to? There are symptoms of them. As a matter of fact, if we go back to Exodus chapter 16, which is what Jesus is referring to in this passage when he said that Moses, he gave bread, but it wasn't really Moses, it was my father. In Exodus 16, the beginning of Exodus 16, the children of Israel have been about a month, 40 days out of Egypt. They probably run out of all the food that they brought with them. And they're grumbling and they're saying the meat pots were full back in Egypt and we had all the bread we wanted. Now you brought us out here in the desert and we're going to die. They were grumbling, they were complaining, they were murmuring, they were doubting. Do you want to know what the symptom is of spiritual hunger? It's murmuring and complaining, doubting. That's the symptom. I'm going to ask a very straightforward question. Does that ever happen? Do you ever murmur, complain, or doubt in your life? All right. Did you ever stop to think about the fact that's a symptom of hunger? You're hungry? And Jesus says, I'm the only one who can satisfy that hunger. Now, if I have physical hunger, I can have breakfast. I can find some physical food, and it helps my physical body. But Jesus said, there's something much greater that's going on here. This is what's represented as we take the Lord's Supper today. There's this spiritual hunger that we have. There's this spiritual need. It's often, we often have these symptoms because we do grumble. We do complain. We do doubt. Jesus in this passage goes on to say, he tells his disciples, you want this bread? Here, and they say, well, we want to know what the work of God is so that we get this bread. Jesus said, the work of God that you do is believe on the one he sent. That's how you get this bread. But not just one time. How many of you plan to eat again today? You had breakfast, but you plan to eat again today. Why? You already ate. What's wrong with you people? Why are you eating again? It's good. <laughs> it is good. And you want it, right? You don't eat just once. You eat repeatedly. But why is it with the spiritual food often we just, we, well, I ate three months ago. And we wonder why we're spiritually starving. We're hungry. We have symptoms of it. But we don't recognize it. The Lord says, I'm this bread. I'm this living bread. Now let me ask you, with physical food, what do you have to do for physical food to satisfy? What do you have to do with it? You have to eat it. You have to consume it, right? There's food in our refrigerator at home. It won't do me any good unless I take it out and consume it. It can be there. We have food around us. 
You're saying, Pastor, you're telling me I need to read my Bible more. I'm not telling you anything, although reading your Bible is not a bad thing. All right? I encourage it. What I'm telling you is you need to recognize spiritual hunger more in your life, and you need to go to the only source that will satisfy that hunger, and that's Jesus. That's him and him alone. He will satisfy that. That's what's represented when we do this. It's not just that you died 2,000 years ago and you rose again and you gave us life because that. We thank that the blood was applied to us and we had salvation. We thank you. But he's saying, I'm more than just that. I am the salvation you need every day. I'm the satisfaction that you need every single day in your life. And when we take this, we're reminding ourselves and we're by faith. We're saying, Lord, I'm going to receive you over and over again. Not in the same way I did the first time I was converted. I'm going to receive your word to me today. I'm going to receive your voice today. I'm going to receive what you say to me in spite of my doubts, in spite of my grumbling, in spite of my complaining, in spite of me not getting my own way. I'm going to receive you. And he says, when you do, you have the bread that comes from heaven that gives life and always satisfies. Always satisfies. That's the picture here today. Now I want you to do something with me. I'm going to ask those who are going to help me serve. If you come, just sit here on the front. You go ahead and move down and just come sit on the front. And you'll be ready in a moment when we actually serve it. But we're not going to serve it yet. Could you just play quietly? I believe with all my heart that Jesus still speaks. I love that song um, that Nicole Mullins sang, recorded. I don't know if she wrote it or not, but I know she recorded it. I know my Redeemer lives. And there's a part in there where she's ad-libbing in the song, if you've ever heard her do it, especially when she does it live. And she's ad-libbing and she goes, I know he lives, because I talked to him this morning. I love that. Yes, I talked to him. But not just this morning. All the time. I talk to him and he talks to me. Now before you lock us all up thinking we're crazy, we're not hearing voices. As Ron Dunn used to say, it's much louder than an audible voice. When he speaks to your heart, when he speaks to your soul, you know it's him. But here's our problem. How many in here like food? You like food. You're an American. You like food, all right? We probably have an issue there, but we don't want to admit it, all right? We like food. We have desire for it. What if this morning, before we take the Lord's Supper by faith, we say, Lord, would you create that kind of desire in me for you, for the bread of life? I want to have, I want to have the same or more desire for you than I do for physical food. I believe he wants to give it. I believe he wants to do that in our lives. I believe that's why he said, as often as you do this, remember me. Don't just remember that I died and rose again. Remember, I'm the living bread. I'm the one that will keep doing this work. I'll keep satisfying. Physical food, it may satisfy for a little bit. But he says, I'll keep on satisfying. I'll go deep down to those deepest longings of your soul. I'll satisfy Here's our problem. I shouldn't say, here was my problem for a long time. This may not apply to you, 
I won't assume, but it was my problem for a long time. I would come to this table. I would sit where you're sitting. I would start listing off my sins to God. Things I could remember. Lord, I shouldn't have said that or done that or look at that. Or I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry about that. Please forgive me for that. And I would go through that whole list. Now, that's not a bad thing necessarily to be repentant of sin. That's a good thing, actually, to be repentant of sin. How many of you can picture in your mind turning the water on in your bathtub at home and then going off and doing something else and then forget about it and the water running over? How many can picture that in your mind? How many can picture it because you've done it, all right? Um, you just, and it just keeps running. And you come running in and the water's pouring out on the floor and you're thinking, oh no. How many of you then run and find a, 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 a pan in the kitchen and start taking water out and pouring it in the sink and, pay, and just keep doing it. How many of you do that? That's your first thing that you're going to do is grab a pan and take water out, bail it, and throw it in the sink. No. What's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to turn off the water. And then you're going to find the drain on that crazy thing and you're going to pop that thing up and let some water drain out. Why? So often what I did was I came to the Lord's table and I've got my pan and I'm bailing water. But I'm never looking at the cause. I'm never looking at the source of the problem. And the source of my problem and my sin wasn't my sin. It was the fact I didn't believe Jesus would satisfy. And because I didn't believe he'd satisfy, I looked for something else to satisfy. Now, sin is awful. It kills everything it touches. But it's, it's the symptom. It's the symptom of a much deeper problem. A problem that goes way down to our heart that says, deep down, I don't really believe Jesus is enough. I don't believe he can satisfy. So I need porn. I need food, too much of it. I need drugs. I need alcohol. I need shopping. I need escapism. I need these things because Jesus and that will satisfy, but not Jesus by himself. And we're bailing water never getting to the source of the problem. I did that for years on days just like this one. Until one day, there was just revelation. The Lord's like, you're just bailing water, Troy. You're not getting to the source. You don't really believe I can satisfy you. I want you just to press into him right now. Close your eyes if you need to. Leave them open. I don't care. I don't think he does either. Whatever helps you concentrate. press in could you by faith say Lord I'm not sure I believe you can satisfy but I want to I want to desire you as much as I desire my daily food and I want to believe with every fiber of my being that you can satisfy just tell him in your own words not my words your words just talk to him and there may be some issues some things that he brings up right now that he'll remind you of not to condemn you but to say why don't you trust me here why don't you believe I can satisfy here why don't you start there by faith would you do that you say well what about my sin it's fine to tell him your sin and repent of that that's important but get to the heart of the matter and often the heart is, I don't believe he can satisfy. He's the bread from heaven. He's the bread of life. 
He satisfies.
among my brothers and sisters this morning, I believe that only you can satisfy, but I also realize there are parts of my my heart where I really don't believe that, not the way I should. And I'm asking you, do a work in those parts. I give those to you. I open up the door there to those. Do a work there. I want to believe you. I have believed you. I want to believe you more. I want to trust you more. Oh, for grace to trust you more. So, Lord, all over this room, we open our hearts to you and by faith declare we believe you can satisfy only you. And in the areas of our heart where we don't believe it, we're asking you to do a work by your power, by your grace. You transform. That night when Jesus took this, had this meal with his disciples, he took a piece of bread. don't know if it looked exactly like this, but this is a piece of matzah bread. This would be used in, a, in Passover today. It's flat, as you can see. It has no leaven in it because leaven's a picture of sin. And Jesus had no sin. You and I do, but he had no sin. There are stripes on it, if you look at it closely. Isaiah says that by his stripes we are healed. We're going to talk about his healing in the blood a little bit more in a minute. There are holes in it. If you hold it up to the light, you can see it. Because the scripture says, again in Isaiah, he was pierced for us. My favorite part of matzah bread are the burn marks. My favorite part. Because the wrath of God was poured out on his son so that it would never again be poured out on you and me. Never again. By the way, it was just. It was justified wrath. It was perfect wrath. We deserved it. Jesus took it. So when we take this in a moment, we're reminding ourselves of all those things and so much more. If you're here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to be a member of LifePoint Church. You don't have to be a member of any church other than to be a part of the body of Christ. You have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's your only hope for salvation. You know he is the only hope you have. If that is you today, you're part of the family. And you're invited to take this with us today. If you're not a believer, um, nobody's looking, nobody's paying attention, but I encourage you, just let it go on by until the time that you would be a believer. And there's no shame in that, by the way. Nobody's going to notice. Nobody's going to say, oh, we're not going to point you out, make you stand up. But this is something that we do by faith. And as a symbol of the fact, we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. We have no other hope but Him. We're reminding ourselves again today. If that's not where you are at this moment, that's okay. You just let it pass on by. I'm going to ask our server, gentlemen, if you just sit for just a moment. I want to share briefly about the cup before we take it. Later in that passage in John 6, if you skip down with me to verse 52 in John chapter 6, it says, the Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? 
So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, verily, verily, depending on your translation, this is real. <laughs> Pay attention. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Um, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He goes on, and of course it says that many of his disciples heard it and they didn't walk with him anymore after that. Not because, I don't think they thought he was calling them to cannibalism, because he wasn't. It wasn't what he was advocating. He was saying that you're going to have to, in a spiritual sense, you're going to have to receive me. You're going to have to believe that I am who I say I am. As it were, you're going to have to eat. You're going to have to eat me. You're going to have to drink me. You're going to have to consume And that's always the dividing line when it comes to following Jesus Christ. That's the dividing line with, I, I recognize that there is this historical figure named Jesus. I recognize that he lived a long time ago. I recognize he created quite a stir. I recognize that there are people who believe in him, and I recognize there are followers he has to this day. That's all fine. That's intellectual knowledge of who Jesus is. But he says there's a distinction that's made between those who have intellectual assent and those who are willing to, by faith, to receive me into their life to be Lord and Savior, to be boss, to be life, to be our source of everything, to live life differently. His blood, his, his body, his, the bread, it says, satisfies but his blood strengthens and it sanctifies and it it do you know that the official cause of death for george washington was acute laryngitis he had a sore throat but in all likelihood the real cause of death for george washington was that they bled him to death with leeches and all because there was this belief that his blood was bad it was it was poisoned he wasn't the only one. There are many throughout history. That was a common practice to treat that way. Leviticus 17 says the life of the flesh is in the blood. That part they understood that the blood was important. Their treatment of it wasn't so great. In a spiritual sense, the life of the flesh is in the blood. His blood flowing through our veins. I love that old song, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stain. That's the blood applied, and we celebrate that, the blood applied. But the Old Testament picture of this blood sacrifice was a covering. That's what we have. We have these animals sacrificed, and the blood covered sin for a year, and then they'd have to come back again once a year and offer these sacrifices for the nation and for, as individuals, and it would be covered but the New Testament picture of the blood is not this covering, but this cleansing. It flows within. It cleanses. It purifies. It strengthens. It does battle. It transforms. It changes us. When we take the cup, we're not saying, Lord, we're literally drinking your blood. We're saying, Lord, the blood has been applied, and it now, because of your spirit, your life flows in me. And because of that, everything is different. I'm different. Everything's different. 
I was watching an interview this weekend. There were survivors. Well, they were, they were spouses of, of, of those who died in Charleston shooting four years ago. And one of them really stood out to me. He was a pastor. His name was Anthony Thompson. And he was sharing about his wife. His wife was there that night. The Bible said it wasn't his church. Um, it was another church. Um, but she was going to a Bible study there. He was supposed to be with her, but she encouraged him that night not to go. And he's like, no, I'm coming. And she said, no, don't, you're not coming with me tonight. He said, I didn't know then. I know now. God had a different plan in store for me. But his wife went. She was one of the nine that was killed there in that Charleston shooting. He said his house was about five minutes away from the church. So he got a phone call that there had been a shooting. And so he took off. He said, I was one of the first to get there. And he said, I was looking. They said they'd taken all the members over to this, I think it was a hotel or motel across the street. So he went over there looking for his wife. She wasn't there. So he comes back to the church realizing she must still be in there. So he's trying to get in and law enforcement are stopping him. And it took five of them to hold him down. And he said, when I finally realized she wasn't coming out and I wasn't going to say, he said, I lost it. He said, I, I, I yelled and moaned and, and just, he said, I just, I, he said, I literally laid on the ground just weeping and rolling. Which we understand. I think all of us would feel that way. He said a few days later they were doing the bond hearing for the young man who shot them. And he and his family were there, but he told his children before they went in, he said, we're going to go in, we're going to sit down, we are going to say nothing, and we're going to leave. This will take a few minutes, and we're going to leave, and we're going to say nothing. And so they went in, they sat down, they're saying nothing. And then he said, then I heard the Lord's voice. He said, I know it, because I've heard it many times. He said, I had heard it just recently, the night I was laying on that lawn in front of that church. I heard him speak to me that night. He told me, get up. I'll strengthen you, get up. And he said that day in the court, I heard his voice again. He said, get up. No, Lord, we've got a plan here. We're not going to speak. I've already told my children, we're not going to say a word. We're just going to sit here. We're going to leave get up. He said, I stood up, still arguing with the Lord. Lord, I don't have anything to say. And he said, and I find myself walking to a little podium, and along the way, I'm like, Lord, I hope you got something, because I got nothing to say. And he said, I get to hear his voice again. I have something I want to say. Well, Lord, you better show me, because I don't know what it is. I don't have a clue. He gets behind the podium. He looks over at the young man, who shot his wife and those other victims. And he said, and in that moment, he said, I heard the words coming, but I knew they weren't coming from me. He said, I knew something greater was happening. And he looked over at that young man and he said, I forgive you. And my family forgives you. And he shared some more things. I think he went on to write a book about this entitled A Call to Forgive. 
But he said, you know, the most amazing thing, he said, I knew God was speaking. I knew God was doing all of this. But he said, in that moment, as, I, as those words came out of my mouth, he said, I know God did them. But as they came out of my mouth, he said, I just cooperated. He said, my body began to shake. And he said, in that moment, all of that hatred and all of that anger and all of that resentment and all of that anguish and all, he said, all of that just seemed to just seep out of every pore of my body as I stood there. And he said, it was the peace. He said, I know the peace of God because it's real. It's not just something you talk about. It's not just something that's theoretical, that's in Scripture. These verses that we put on plaques or coffee mugs. He said, the peace of God is much more powerful than that. It flows within you when there's a, a willingness just to say, Lord, I trust you. I'll obey you. He said, from that day, he said, I've had my struggles. But he said, something happened that day, and I was, I was transformed. I was changed. The man interviewing him asked, what about your children? They were transformed too because they did the same thing. They forgave. Isn't it interesting when we celebrate the cup here? It's a picture of the fact that we've been forgiven. The blood sanctifies, it strengthens, it cleanses. It flows from Emmanuel's veins, but now it flows in mine and your veins. Not in a physical sense, spiritually. It flows in us. And it transforms. But again, it does it by faith. It does it because we hear his voice and say, Lord, I believe you. I submit. Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. It's a new and better promise that I make to you. What was that new and better promise? That what you and I could not do in our human frailty, in our human weakness, Jesus said, I'll do it for you. And not only will I do it for you, but then the very life that I have, the very strength that I have, all that I am will now be part of you. And it will flow in you. That's what we celebrate when we take this cup. That's this power that's at work. I want you to do something with me. Again, just press in. Just press in. We had to, by faith, believe that his, that his body, his bread, his food would satisfy, that he would satisfy. Do you also believe that he can strengthen? That he can empower you to do the impossible? That he can give you everything that you need for whatever you face? See, that's part of taking the cup. We don't do it lightly.
Would you press in by faith today and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that in a spiritual sense, your blood runs through my veins. I have life because of you. Not just life that says I'll be with you forever and eternity. Life now, abundant. Life that's amazing. Life that, quite honestly, when others see it, they're baffled by it. Lord, help us. Help me. To believe that I have already been given all that I need for life and godliness. It's already there. It has been applied and infused. It is mine. It is ours. You are ours. Oh, Lord, I want to live that way. I want to live in that power and that strength. Not my own years I pray that for each one in this room I ask the Lord that you would cause us to believe that every promise that you give is a miracle in seed form and that we would live it out in faith believing that your life, your blood, flows through us, transforming and changing, cleansing, sterilizing, remaking. Lord, cause us to believe that. Not just for ourselves, but for others. That no matter how bad someone is, like my dear brother, I've never met him. One day I'll meet him. If not here, I'll meet him there. My dear brother who can look at the man who takes his wife and say, Jesus forgave me, I forgive you. Lord, that's more than words. That's life. Lord, help us. We long for life and life abundant. So help us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the gentlemen come up, I'm going to ask Paul to come as well. The Lord was stirring this morning in prayer and, and just beforehand about remembering. There were some passages of Scripture. Thank you that uh, the Lord gave Paul. I'm going to have him share those with you, and then he's going to pray for us in a moment. And before I do that, as, as Troy was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, that does kind of, when you think about that, it's kind of strange, you know? But in a spiritual sense, the Lord brought this to my mind where Jesus said in John 15, he said, I am the vine branches and apart from me you can bear no fruit if we want to be fruitful Christians we need to receive from him daily we need to 
receive from him nutrients sufficient enough to accomplish things. And so as, as we eat his flesh, as he is our nourishment, then we can be fruitful. The branch cannot do anything apart from the vine. All the nutrients come through the vine to the branch in order to produce fruit. So we need to sup on it. We need to, to eat. We need to come to him daily for everything that we need. You know, and as we were in 6-4 this morning, um, we read a, a scripture from Psalms. I think it was 76, was it? But anyway, it was talking about remembering all that the Lord has done. And, and this verse came to my mind, and it's in Ephesians chapter 2, and that's where we're at, right? We're in Ephesians. And uh, let's start at verse 10. It said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope without God in the world. I love this part. Here we go. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought um, near by the blood of Christ. By the blood. We remember that we were far off, but by the blood we are brought near. Oh, God, we thank you for the blood. We thank you, Jesus, for your perfect, sinless blood that was shed for us, that we might be brought near to you. Apart from you, God, we are separated. But you've brought us near. Not only have you brought us near, you, want, you have good works prepared for us that you want us to walk in. And that's only possible through the nourishment that you provide daily to us. So God, may we eat of your flesh and may we drink of your blood. God, may we remember this as we take, take the bread and drink this wine today. We love you in remembrance of what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for singing, Andre. I appreciate that. I really do. I grew up singing that song. It means as much today. Matter of fact, it means more today than it did then. I didn't understand what I was singing then. I understand now. It never loses its power. Um, I believe that. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't do this. I, I'd be somewhere, I'd, you know, I'd be fishing or something today. I, I wouldn't do this. I believe his blood never loses its power. The scripture says that after they given thanks, they took the cup and they drank it. So let's drink it together. And if you would pass your cups to the end, whichever end is closest to you, the ushers will pick those up. 
while ago, I started to ask you to clap your hands and I realized you were all holding juice. So the Holy Spirit in that moment stopped me. So don't tell them to clap. Um, but as soon as you get rid of your cup, then you can clap, all right? Because it felt appropriate, all right? All right, and the scripture says that when they had this time together, they sang a song and they went out, and it's appropriate to sing a song. And you know me, I love big, strong, and declarative, so I think the team always wants to accommodate. So why don't you stand? They're going to lead us in song. If we could...